services. As the cleanup process begins after a natural disaster, there may be areas of flooding. Constantly watch your children to prevent playing in or around water. Get out of there! It doesn't take long and it doesn't take much water for young children to drown. Why? In many cases, children who drowned had been out of sight less than five minutes and were in the care of one or both parents at the time. To learn more, call CDC at 800-CDC-INFO. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. Open your eyes, look up to the skies and see. I'm just a cool boy, I need no sympathy. Because I'm easy come, easy go, little high. Sports Fanatics, we are Luca Vitalik, Ryan Walterman, and Ben Schmidt. Let us introduce you to a weekly favorite sports podcast on KCOU 88.1 FM. On Around the Wave, several guests and us provide you the most thorough Mizzou sports coverage. Also, NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL coverage where we debate. Healy's hero right here is Jordan Bennington, and he's kind of just been the story all year. But uh, in the last couple of games, besides the Coyotes game and the Avalanche game, He's, he's looked like his 2019 form, I would say. First of all, you are misinforming the American public. That's number one. Number two, everything you just said is absolutely blasphemous. Okay? Everything you just said. Jordan Bennington's looking like his old self. Provide legendary list. Number five on my list, the Los Angeles Chargers. Why? They snatched its long-term solution on the O-line and Rashawn Slater. He's offering, he's going to offer reliable protection for Justin Herbert, which we saw he was a star last season. And give bold predictions. If I'm being honest, even with all the new talent that the New York Giants added on offense, I still think they fail with Daniel Jones at the helm and he's reduced nothing more than a backup within the next few years. So join us every Friday morning at 10 o'clock Central Time on KCOU 88.1 FM. We hope to see you there. A happy Friday morning. Excuse me, everyone, and welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia, the student voice of Missouri. I'm your host, Luca Vitale, and alongside me are my co-hosts, Ryan Walterman and Ben Schmidt. Drew Westland will be joining us on the call today on this fine Friday morning. Before we get rolling, first things first is some news on Mizzou sports. Mizzou football will be opening up SEC play on the road against the Kentucky Wildcats tomorrow night at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. This is just one of the two Power 5 conference games on college football on the college football schedule this weekend, which is along with Stanford and USC. 
Both teams will be entering action undefeated as Kentucky smoked uh, Louisiana Monroe last weekend 45-10 to in the Tigers beating Central Michigan 34-24. to Mizzou soccer was able to get past Northern Colorado with a 1-0 victory thanks to a 13th-minute goal from Sky Kingsley. The Tigers have extended their winning streak to four games under the new head coach, Stephanie Golan. The Tigers are going to look to extend that winning streak to five games tomorrow as they take on BYU, the number 22-ranked team in the nation, at 7 o'clock Central Time. A lot of this uh, victories, guys, are due to Sophia Worth. She has been nothing but a star ever since taking over for Alessio in net. Let's start with Mizzou football, everyone. So, Ryan and Ben, since Mizzou has joined the SEC, the winner of this game has finished better in the SEC East standings every single year. So, after snapping their five-game losing streak against Kentucky last season, Mizzou will be looking for their first win in Lexington since 2013 and their first 2-0 start since 2018. On Tuesday, I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter, uh, Eli Drinkwitz spoke with the media to discuss his team's upcoming game against the Kentucky Wildcats. Before he said a word about Kentucky, he made it very clear that his team needs to improve a lot from one week, uh, week one, excuse me. He said, quote, I reviewed the game film from week one, and we are really fortunate to be 1-0. Ben, I'll start with you here. How does Mizzou improve in Eli Drinkwitz's words against Kentucky? Thanks, Luga. Well, first of all, I, I don't think uh, Coach Rinkowitz is really wrong in, the, in that statement. Mizzou did not play their best brand of football last Saturday, and yet it was still enough to come out with a win, really thanks to like being really efficient. Tyler Beatty had a huge day, but he is completely right. They need, they need to improve, and especially this, this is about as important of a game as you can get in a week, too. As early it is in the season, it's still huge to grab that early lead and advantage in the SEC East. So this is big for Mizzou. So really, if I'm going to look at a couple big things, first of all, limit the big plays. There were a couple long runs that Central Michigan had, a couple big pass plays down the field. They're going to have to limit that, especially against Kentucky offense, where they had 12 completions last week over 19 yards. So if you want to talk about big plays, that is big plays right there, and Mizzou's going to have to limit that. There's a reason Kentucky scored 45 last week. They can put up points in bunches. Mizzou's going to have to limit that. Another big thing I want to hit on, which I'm sure was talked about a ton in the press conference, Mizzou has to tackle. I cannot tell you how many times it looked like they had someone stopped for a loss or a short game. And then, and then the tackle was broken, and it turned into another first down and a continued drive. So tackle, 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 that's going to be huge, especially against, like I said, a big play offense in Kentucky. What do you think, Ryan? I like the honesty from Drinkowitz. That's something that I think really makes him who he is. And if I was the coach of the Missouri Tigers right now, I'd be very worried to go into Lexington against Kentucky um, but as Ben said, the defense does need to learn how to tackle. I watched the game, too, and there's many, many plays where they should have had someone down, and he just kept on driving and picked up a couple more yards. Uh, but, yeah, Mortez Manuel needs to get going. Uh, but nine, nine sacks in total for the Tigers last year wasn't, uh, I mean, last, uh, last Friday wasn't, last Saturday, my bad, was not too bad for them. But it's going to be tough against Kentucky. I mean, you can't let Will Levis throw four touchdowns like he did last game. That pass rush needs to be on him really well. Chris, and then you got to watch Chris Rodriguez Jr. He only had 125 yards last last weekend, but this weekend I'm sure they're going to give him the ball a lot more. He's a very talented running back. 
Uh, Mizzou can get it done, though, if Tyler, Tyler Beatty has to have another huge game. And it, it, it sucks that it has to come to that, but the passing just, as a Mizzou fan, I was super excited. What, we scored 20 seconds in last Saturday. Very excited. But then the game just kind of took a downhill downhill spin from there. Basilek didn't look the best. Luckily, they had Beatty, who really helped the team kind of push to that victory. Um, but one thing I want to note, though, that is really, really good for the Tigers is Mookie Cooper is back in full health, and he's probably going to be a sh- he's going to put on a show for the Show Me State on Saturday night, and you you can believe that. I cannot believe you just said only a hundred in what was it a hundred and twenty-five yards. This dude averaged six point six yards a carry. I'm watching too much NFL. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Let's just think about this very quickly. Let's just think about this for a second. Mizzou, like Ben said, and you said this too, Ryan, I like Eli Drinkwitz's honesty because this is something that Mizzou missed with Barry Odom. He wasn't honest all the time, and that's the thing about Eli Drinkwitz. Being honest with the media, being honest with the fans, everybody else, it's good that you're honest so that way everybody knows What's going on behind closed doors? Because we only see what's on the field on Saturdays. So, first things first, what Missouri needs to do. And Ben, you you said this with uh, CMU, what they did against that offense. They need to stop Kentucky's passing attack. They made Jacob Sermon on Central Michigan look like the uh, next upcoming version of Joe Burrow. So... This that was awful what they did on defense. I mean, he had three touchdowns, or excuse me, he had over 300 passing yards. Yes, they forced him into interceptions, but 300 passing yards when this dude is known for using his legs. I mean, that is interesting. But stopping Kentucky's passing attack. Now, doesn't that sound strange, y'all? Doesn't that sound strange? Kentucky passing the football, it has actually reinvented itself offensively after spending the last five years or so running the football as the focal point of their offense. We saw last season that the Tigers actually held the Wildcats to 39 yards passing in one touchdown. But that was Terry Wilson and Eddie Grant's offense. Now we get to new this year, you got a new offensive coordinator in Liam Cohen. You got a new quarterback in town in Will Levis. His first start posted 400 passing yards in four touchdowns against Louisiana and Monroe. I'm not going to read in too much of that because Louisiana and Monroe, they are not a good team defensively or, in this case, offensively. <laughs> but especially on first, on first down that they're going to have to stop them because that is one immediate impact that Cohen has had in Kentucky's offense is play calling. What I get with the play action, throwing on first downs, I, I think of that as Sean McVay the Los Angeles Rams head coach. He is somebody that knows how to use uh, creativity to draw up schemes, his plays. And now that he has Matthew Stafford on that team, we we can get all that later on. But um, this is somebody that knows how to use creativity and use his wide receivers and his quarterback and put them in the best uh, best situation as possible. So Mizzou, they need to understand that these Wildcats are less far predictable than they were last year. They're far more dangerous than the Tigers stopped in 2020. Therefore, the defense is going to have to pick it up a lot better than last uh, last year. And last game, actually, excuse me. And then Tyler Beatty getting rolling again. He played a very good game last week. Don't get me run rush for 203 yards and a touchdown. He's going to have to pick up the work just like uh, Larry Roundtree did last year. Tyler Beatty, I hope he's ready to pick up that slack because there's a big hole that needs to be covered up, and I hope he's ready to cover it up. 
And by getting all those rushing yards, it allows him to open the passing game for Connor Bazelak, which we saw last weekend. Now, if you keep Levis and Kentucky in that passing game in check and on the sidelines, that is going to be crucial for them to want to win this game. And the last thing, I'm sure you guys saw this last weekend, converting on third down. Converting on third down. How many coaches in the NFL say convert on third down? Quite a bit. Mizzou pulled a 1-for-11 last weekend on third and down. You ain't going to beat Kentucky if you're going to go 1-11 on 1-11 and 11, on third down. That was awful. They were cooking on first and second down. That was good. But if you're going to go 1-for-11 on third down, you're going to get smoked. Okay? Especially with this dude throwing the football through the air like he is with velocity and accuracy and finding everybody. Especially, and I mean especially, that Robinson kid. That kid is special. He really knows a thing or two about catching a football. And then Josh Ali. He's also a very, very good player. And when I look at those receivers, and I look at what the quarterback can do, it almost reminds me of what Justin Fields was doing last year in Ohio State. It's that good. I don't know if I jumped to that that level after one game. I don't know. Justin Fields was a really good quarterback for two years and had one of the highest passer ratings in college football history. All right. I, I, I love him at Kentucky. I would just like to see more games. That being said, I still think he puts up great numbers against Mizzou defense. Mm-hmm. Basilek's going to have to stretch the field more. He, he only has three games in his career with multiple passing touchdowns. This is going to have to be game number four if they want to win. Yeah. All right. Scoring predictions. You know, like I told you guys, with that defense that I saw last weekend, I don't think they're going to be able to stop Will Levis in that running game this weekend. I'm sorry. I got to take Kentucky in this one. I'm going to say 27-14. It's not a bad prediction. Um, I want to just pick out two players who I think Mizzou is going to need to show up, and that's obviously number one in being Montez Manuel. He's, he was a big, big uh, guy coming to Mizzou this year, and he just didn't really play his best game. I understand it's game one of the of the new season, but I think going into Lexington, he's going to have a big game, and if he does have a big game, that's going to help the Tigers out a lot. I don't think Kentucky's going to put up 40 points like they did against Louisiana Monroe, just because obviously Mizzou's better than them. Um, I think he's gonna, they're going to put up 30, uh, 35, and I think Mizzou is actually going to take this loss 35 to 27. Interesting. Ben? Yeah, sadly, I'd love to be the one to take Mizzou. I think Mizzou falls behind early here, and that's what leads to them taking a loss in this one. I'm going to go... I'm going to say they limit Kentucky a little bit, hold them to 28, but I think Mizzou scores 17, so I'm going to go 28-17. I'd love to be wrong. All right. We all would. Yes. All right. We're going to head into break, and once we get back from break, Drew Westland will join us via on the call, and we're going to talk about what happened last night on last night's uh, primetime show against the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Stay tuned on Around the Waves. Human. And she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese. And guess what? Egg rolls showed up. Like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. This is an important message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. They attack our trench. We attack their trench. Then to keep the score even, they will attack our trench once again. 
French foot occurs when feet are wet for long periods of time. French foot causes feet to hurt, swell, and feel heavy. Protect your feet, clean and dry your feet, wear clean, dry socks, and soak affected feet in warm water for five minutes. Elevate bare feet when sleeping. Seek medical attention right away if you suspect someone has trench foot. Ah! I got the trench. How was your day? Fine. Did you learn anything new? No. Anything I should know? No. Is everything okay? Yeah. Sometimes it can be hard to connect with teens. Use Connect With Me activity cards to deepen your conversations. Visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and other resources. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. Welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1, the student voice of your Missouri Tigers. The 2021 NFL season, guys, just kicked off last night with a matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium. The Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski show picked up, guys, where it left off last year in the Super Bowl, matching those two touchdowns against the Kansas City Chiefs back in February. Tampa Bay took this thriller last night, 31-29. to So, in that scenario, Ryan, I'll start with you here. Was last night's contest more about the bad Cowboys or more good Buccaneers? Bad Cowboys, for sure. And I just want to say, in my opinion, after watching the game, this is what I have to say. I'm happy, but not happy in the same sense. And happy because Cowboys lost. Not happy because Greg Zerline is my fantasy football kicker. And the man, missed. he went 3-for-5 on field goals. And I completely am back, I back this 100% when he says, if I do my job, we win that game. And that's 100% on Greg Zerline. He missed a 31-yarder to start off the game, so off the season. It was the first field goal, first field goal missed. It was the first field goal try of the season, and he missed it. And it's 31 yards. I'm sitting there like, oh, here comes easy fantasy points. And he, he just completely misses it. And then he misses an extra point, but somehow he hits a 48 field goal. I just, 
I don't understand what happened to Greg Zerline. Um, anyway, about the game, not necessarily bad Cowboys. I think the Cowboys looked really good. Dak Prescott coming back. Obviously, 42 for 58. I mean, this might be a long shot, but I kind of think he played better than Brady. He had 403 yards, only had one interception. If I'm a Buccaneers fan, I'm kind of mad that Brady had two interceptions in his first game. That is just, that's something that you don't see that happening. But if I'm a Buccaneers fan, I'm also really happy that he's hooking up with a 32-year-old. And Rob Gronkowski, that man's an absolute beast in the red zone, and you could see it there. Amari Cooper had a big game for the Cowboys, had two touchdowns and 139 yards. And backing him up with C.D. Lamb. So I don't think you can necessarily say bad Cowboys here, just bad Greg Zerline. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't totally say bad on the Cowboys' end either. I still think the Cowboys are going to end up winning that NFC East. That offense is really good, and they're not even balanced yet. I think if they figure out how, how to incorporate the running game, which they did not, only 11 carries for Ezekiel Elliott, I think they're going to be even more dangerous. Dak was fantastic. I think right now, how do you even look at anyone else winning comeback player of the year except Dak Prescott if he has a season like most predict he is? That one pick that he threw really wasn't even his fault. He put it on CD's hands and CD tipped it up into the air and it led to an interception. So Dak was fantastic. They need more balance on that offense. The one problem, though, for Dallas that could potentially, I think, keep them out of that is their cornerback situation is atrocious. They had a chance to address in the draft. They went Micah Parsons. Not a bad pick. Micah Parsons is going to be really good. But they could have went guys like Sertain or J.C. Horn, both corners that could have addressed a situation of need. And we saw them be burnt over the top multiple times by Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, guys like that. And, and, and they're going to keep facing good receivers all year long, and that could be a problem for the Cowboys. Nevertheless, I still think they win that division, and they look good. Buccaneers, uh, I mentioned this last week. They're my pick to come out of the NFC. They looked fantastic once again. Brady just continues to defy logic. I mean, we saw Drew Brees could barely throw the ball 20 yards last year, yet Tom Brady, who's even older, can step up in the pocket and deliver a 50-yard strike, albeit to an open receiver, but still 50 yards in the air. And the two interceptions for Brady, one was on a Hail Mary and the other was on a pass that went off Fournette's hand. So really, if you look at it, Brady Brady was was nearly perfect last night. And I had, I had full confidence that once he got the ball back at the end, he was going to lead them to a game-winning drive, which he did. That back shoulder throw to Chris Godwin, which I don't think was a push-off, was, was beautiful. And I expected nothing less than perfection out of Brady to open the year. All right, I'm going to let Drew speak now. Drew, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Luca, loud and clear. Can you hear me? Absolutely. Uh, so last night, was it more bad Cowboys or was it more good Buccaneers? I think it was more good Buccaneers because at the end of the day, Tampa Bay Buccaneers come in and reigning Super Bowl champions. They're looking to make a statement at home, and good teams find a way to win down the stretch when they need to. You get the ball back with less than two minutes to go, the greatest quarterback of all time on your side, and they got it done. Their offense was humming. Tom Brady was throwing all over the place. Godwin, A.B., Gronk looking like he was in his prime. And that defense was really stifling. I don't think we give them enough credit because it forced the Cowboys to be one-dimensional and throw the ball. Like was mentioned previously, Ezekiel Elliott, 11 carries for only 33 yards. He was a non-factor in this game. I don't know how anybody runs the ball on that front seven. They were so good. And... I mean, I agree with Ryan. The Cowboys looked a lot better than they did last year. I think they're going to be vastly improved, but the Buccaneers are just a machine, and they're going to keep right on rolling, and they found a way to get it done when they needed to. <laughs> well, I mean, the Cowboys can only get better for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
from last year. I mean, the defense was historically bad. I mean, you could run over them. I mean, you. I mean, they averaged giving up 200 yards last season. I mean, it can't get much worse, except Dan Quinn now with him in town. The run has actually improved, but against the pass has actually gotten worse. So, of course, we got to flip it up the script just a little bit. But last night, I mean, listen. It was it wasn't that bad those Cowboys, okay? It's just how they lost. It was just kind of funny, okay? I mean, of course, Tom Brady gets the game-winning field goal drive on the Bucks final possession. Of course, 57 yards in 82 seconds. Only the Cowboys can mess this up. And of course, it was a great moment in my heart because I saw those Cowboy fans back at home. They were miserable. But now they're going to win four in a row because this is what happens. Because we, I want them to feel good inside. That's the thing. I don't want them to feel miserable already. That's around Thanksgiving and Christmas. we got to save that around <laughs> the holiday season. That's what, that's what this needs to be done. I don't want them miserable yet. It's not even Halloween. So the thing is, Brady... He was phenomenal last season, or last last night, excuse me. Phenomenal. This guy is 44 years old. You would think he is still in his prime. They showed the tape back when he was in New England in 2010, how he was throwing the football. It's almost like he throws it better now than he did back in 2010. It is insane how great he is. He's now 15-4 and all-time in Week 1, the most wins during the NFL's opening weekend during the Super Bowl era, era which is 1966, and 6-0 and all-time against Dallas. So he was just phenomenal. Now, we can't ignore the fact that Brady has weapons surrounded by him. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, and so on and so forth. The thing is, we all forget how good Antonio Brown is. We forget because all the off-season, the off-field issues that he had back a couple of years ago. He's right now on the field, and he's looking like an all-star like he used to be. He looks fantastic. Mike Evans only had three receptions last night, but it didn't really matter because Rob Gronkowski looks like he was 26 again. So it is just amazing. How fantastic he is. Yes, the defense looked like they were a little clueless last night. But they were definitely putting pressure on Dak Prescott all night. And speaking of Dak Prescott, I was impressed how he looked last night. He was absolutely phenomenal last night. Threw for 403 yards, three touchdowns. He had an interception that wasn't his fault, like you mentioned, Ben. Um, And let's just say... It was the eighth 400-yard passing game at Prescott's six-year career, and that's one fewer than all other Dallas Cowboys combined. So that is just insane. I honestly think with that offensive juggernaut that they have in C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, you got Schultz at the tight end position. I think they're going to be good. I like what they did on the defensive side against the rush. They were able for Demarcus Lawrence was able to force a fumble with Ronald Jones where he recovered it. And then Trayvon Diggs was right there when Leonard Fournette accidentally got it out of his hands. He couldn't catch it, and Trayvon Diggs was right there. So they played very well, I think, defensively. But then they got a little clueless as the game went on because that Antonio Brown throw that Tom Brady threw was at least 30-plus yards. That, that, that cornerback was burned. I mean, burned beyond belief. And let's just say, I got to admit, I will say it right now. What I saw last night, and, if, and just, just considering Tom Brady, 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if anyone can go back to the Super Bowl for a second year in a row, it's Tom Brady. I mean, I saw what happened last night. I feel like they're going to win the NFC. I feel like they're going to win the NFC. I feel like they're going to go back to the Super Bowl. And I feel like the, and I feel like the Bills or the Chiefs are going to be playing them. Even the Browns. I'm going to give the Browns a chance this year, too. What do you think? I, I'm curious what you all think. I don't think that's a stretch whatsoever. This roster is just completely loaded. And that's without, like we talked about, the Buccaneers' defense wasn't even playing their best game last night. Sure, their front seven was awesome, just shutting down the run. But they they were hurt over the top on some routes. And once that gets shored up, I it is, this defense is scary. It's so athletic, too. You see times where it looks like the Cowboys player had an angle to turn a corner, and then a linebacker or, or a, a secondary would just outrun him to the spot, which is not something you see too often. At, you're a defender, especially more oftentimes a bigger one, is not supposed to outrun a skilled player to the corner, and yet the Buccaneers have players that can do that. Very scary if you're facing them. So, And, and obviously it's just one game, but there's no signs that Tom Brady will slow down. I don't think he ever will I, I, at this point I've, I've bought into how how insane that man is at 44 so mm. and it, also Mike Evans didn't do a whole lot last night either so no. that just proved there's so many weapons that one of them can just completely disappear for a night and they can still drop 50 points on you can we mention about the Subway commercial? I really like that Subway commercial. I actually may eat more Subway now, thanks to that commercial. We've got two at the Mizzou market, so head on over there. I uh, know. All right, uh, moving on to more football, actually. Now we're going to talk more about the future has arrived. you got five quarterbacks that were taken in the first round of the last 2021 NFL draft. That was tied with the 1999 and 2018 drafts before the second most ever. So you got Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, New York Jets, Zach Wilson, and New England Patriots, Mac Jones. They will all start this weekend, which is right out of the gate. They're all going to start for their respective uh, teams this weekend. But now it's more of the issue of, Ryan, I'll ask you, which rookie quarterback will have the best week one? Great question. The three that are starting are top-notch, you know, great. They're going to be great quarterbacks for years to come. But if I had to pick one who's going to have the best week, I'm going to have to go with the number one draft pick in Trevor Lawrence, and the only reason I'm going to go with him is he has the edge of facing the Houston Texans in week one where <laughs> Mac Jones actually has to face a Dolphins defense. That's It's it's not too bad. And then, obviously, the Sam Donald and the Panthers, I think, are going to be – I don't know. I just think that something's going to happen with the Panthers and something good's going to happen with Sam Donald and Zach Wilson's just going to have to be left out there like – He's just going to be left out to dry. I think some of these young guys are going to get sacked really badly, and out of the out of the one that's not going to get sacked that much, I think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence because it's it's the Texans. I think that he has the best bet to have the best week one game. But Mac Jones is also very talented, but he's just going to have to find a way to get past guys like, I don't know, Emmanuel Ogba, you know, people like this. And the Dolphins are just going to be on him, and he's going to need help. So if he doesn't get sacked that much, maybe he does have the better week. But I just think Trevor Lawrence, he's been ready in the spotlight. He deserves he he was deserving of that number one pick. I just think he's he has to have the best week one. You know, Drew, what do you think? Are you with Trevor Lawrence or are you with the different one? Yeah, I gotta go with Ryan here. He read my mind. Trevor Lawrence has by far the easiest matchup out of the three. And that's not to say that all three are talented, but I agree. Zach Wilson or Mac Jones with these defenses are they have potential for a rude awakening. Ryan already covered how good Miami's defense can be, but Carolina's defense, I believe, is one of the more underrated in the NFL. And they got some talent. It was really 
the bright spot of that team last year. I think Trevor Lawrence is walking into about the easiest week one matchup you could ask for for your first NFL career start. So I like his chances to do well and lead the Jaguars to a victory over the Texans, over a bad Texans team. Yeah, I'm not going to... I'm not going to like absolutely say that's ridiculous, but I'm just I just don't see Trevor Lawrence having a better week one than Mac Jones. Now, I understand that Jacksonville is playing a abysmal Texans team. Don't I don't don't kid don't kid yourself. I understand that. But I feel like Mac Jones, I compare the two offenses that each quarterback has at their disposal. I don't really see what Jacksonville has in in an advantage of, of the New England Patriots. Now, Mac Jones, this dude has an offensive line. He has receivers all over the place. He has a defense in his favor. Yes, Miami's defense is elite. Let's not get hyperbolic here. But... I saw him in camp, Mac Jones. We saw him in Alabama last year. He had a very similar team format. I talked about that last week. He had an O-line in Alabama. He had wide receivers. He had a running game. He just didn't have a defense there. Well, New England, the last time I checked, has an elite defense. And with Mac Jones being able to fling that football quickly, quick release with the accuracy and velocity, with people, with receivers all over the place. you got Nelson Aguilar. you got... You got Kendrick Bourne. You got Jacoby Myers. You got Janu Smith and Hunter Henry at the tight end position. You got a running game in James White. So I look at that from that perspective, and then I look at Miami's defense. Yes, they're elite. You got the McCourtney, the other one on that team now. But I just I feel like Mac Jones is going to have a better game because he has more reliable protection from the O line and more reliable weapons than Trevor Lawrence does. Some good points there, Luke. I really, I really do like it. As much as I, I think the the matchup is a factor. I'm actually gonna go Mac Jones as well because also I trust Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and the Pages coaching staff to build him a really good game plan, especially in Week One where they've had a ton of time to prepare. Brian Flores from Miami can't necessarily build the greatest of of game plans against Mac Jones because there's no NFL tape of Mac Jones in this Patriots offense. You mentioned all the names in New England. I think there's their weapons that are underrated. I talked about that last week. Even Damian Harris as well out of the out of the backfield too. They they have two running backs that I like back there. So I think Mac Wilson is is not necessarily going to be stretching the field, but I think he's going to find guys open underneath. I I think it's going to be very close between uh, Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones. Sorry, Zach Wilson. He's just going to be playing from behind the whole game, so that's why I don't love him there. But I, I think Mac Jones is, is going to be efficient, maybe maybe throw for like a two-touchdown and 250-yard day. I don't expect him to turn the ball over more than maybe once. So I, I, I like Mac Wilson's chances, even though he does have a tough matchup. But the fact that it's in week one and he has the best coaching staff out of the three gives gives me some, some optimism there. Yeah. Well, speaking of rookies, um, he ain't starting, but there will be coming a day when the Chicago Bears do turn their starting quarterback position over to Justin Fields, which they used the number 11th overall draft pick in this year's NFL draft after trading next year's first rounder, among several other things, to the New York Giants for the privilege of securing his services. The day is not here yet, though, as Andy Dalton was named the starter for the team's opening game against the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday night at SoFi. But... 
You know, as a Bears fan, I'm curious what all of you have to say. So you know what? I'm going to start with Drew here, the Packers fan that's on the call. Another Packers fan. Is it the right call to start and start Andy Dalton at quarterback over Justin Fields? You know, I know there are a lot of Bears fans that were clamoring for Justin Fields to start because of all the talent that he has and what he could potentially do to spark plug the Bears offense. But personally, I'm a big believer in letting a quarterback sit and learn for a season or however long to really get the hang of being in an NFL system, being a pro quarterback, because it's not an easy job. And if you rush a guy and you rush him wrong, it can go really, really wrong. So that's just my personal opinion. And there are a lot of examples of this that have worked out in the NFL right now. Look at Aaron Rodgers, future Hall of Famer. Mahomes, he sat for a year behind Alex Smith. Lamar Jackson sat for most of his rookie season behind Joe Flacco. They all learned the ropes. And all three have won MVPs. There are a lot of esteemed quarterbacks that go under that game plan. What I think they're going to do is I think they're going to give him the Trubisky treatment and they're going to start him after like week four because they realize that Andy Dalton isn't the answer and they need a quick fix. So they're going to throw him in there. But if I'm Matt Nagy, I'm letting Justin Fields sit and learn behind a veteran quarterback for most of the season. And I know that wouldn't very that wouldn't be a very popular pick among Bears fans, but that's what I'd do. Okay, so here's my take on this. I I get the comparison to letting him sit behind a pro, but the problem I have is in is I, I totally like the like the comparison there, Drew. But with Rodgers and, and Lamar and Mahomes, they were all sitting behind quarterbacks leading teams that were prepared to win now. There and, we go. And the Bears are nowhere near built to win now. So how much is Justin Fields really going to learn from Andy Dalton turning the ball over two or three times a game in a team that's more often than not, I believe, going to be down in games? I, I, I love Justin Fields. I really do. I just have a bad feeling that the Bears screw this up. I would have started him. But now that they're not going to, I say you let Andy Dalton play, if if not the whole, but most of the season. I don't think you do the Trubisky thing where you turn it over to him after week four for a quick fix, um, as Drew mentioned. Not not that I, I, I think that that's what they're going to do, sadly, but I think now that Andy Dalton's going to start, you let him start the whole year unless there's an injury. I don't, oh, man. I don't, I don't love that they sat Justin Fields in the first place. I, I've also heard the argument about they're sitting him because they don't want to face Aaron Donald, but I think that's a bad argument, too, because they face Daniel Hunter twice, Darius Smith twice. Uh, Shaq Barrett, Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett. That is a that is a whole list of elite pass rushers that they're going to see every week. So you're going to hide him from all those guys as well. I don't I don't see the excuses. Justin Fields, I believe, after two years at Ohio State, is a really I think I think polished quarterback. I really do. I don't I I don't see I don't see anything wrong with this game right now, and I don't see any any reason to not throw him out there. Okay, hold on a second. All those quarterbacks that Drew mentioned, all those rookies that sat behind their starters for a pretty decent amount of time, we all forget this. Neither of those head coaches or GMs were on the hot seat entering the season. Let's be very clear here. Matt Nagy does not have job security yet. Just because he used the pick on Justin Fields doesn't mean he has a job. He doesn't mean he has job security past this season. Let's not forget that. Anyway. We understand that back in 2017, Mitch Trubisky looked absolutely abysmal, okay? He was awful. Mike Lennon looked even worse. But 
I will mention this, though. At least none of you are this ridiculous. Mike Greenberg on Get Up. I watched this clip yesterday. I could yes. not believe this. If Andy Dalton, this he, he said this, if Andy Dalton is struggling or gets injured, they should replace him, when not with Justin Fields, with Nick Foles. Nick Foles. What is that? going to change anything they're both stationary targets yes one has a super bowl uh super bowl ring but what is that going to prove so the other one can get hurt so the thing is here the bears have a terrible offensive line what else is new uh, Tavon Jenkins is still out. He's going to be out for the majority of the season. Obviously, Larry Borum, he still needs developing work to do. Obviously, you've got Peters now on the offensive line. Obviously, you still got Alex Bars. You still got, you still got Sam Mustafer. you got not a great offensive line after you release Charles Leno, which uh, I, we can all disagree, agree with that, whatever. But when you look at that offensive line, it is rather porous. And when you have our poorest offensive line, and you are versing a defense that has Aaron Donald, Jamie Ramsey, you got Leonard Floyd, this is going to get dangerous really quick. Now, I do agree that Andy Dalton should start this year because Justin Fields needs to be watching how these defenses are going to be operating, especially elite defenses like Los Angeles's. Cleveland's is going to be pretty elite this year. Baltimore's, I don't know. They may take a step back because of injuries and obviously they got rid of some of their players. But Dalton's stats last year with Dallas, obviously he played 11 games, completed about 65% of his passes. He threw for about 2,200 yards, 14 touchdowns, 8 and interceptions. That's nothing to be bragging about. But what is similar is that he did play behind a porous offensive line. So what is interesting is that that's actually not terrible. Now, in his career, he has completed 62% of his passes. That is pretty bad. So, I will mention the fact that Andy Dalton, in order to not be taken out in the first game, because if he struggles, he will be pulled out. Because I know Bears fans, they will be booing him like crazy. Justin Fields, they would want him. They're going to be glamoring for him. He's going to be put out there. This will be the worst possible situation there could possibly be. The thing is, if he is ready, they would have started him. He clearly isn't ready, if that is the case. The ideal situation, week two is against the Bengals, week three is against the Browns. If I am somebody that is actually going to be realistic, I will start Dalton those three games praying that he plays average. Then you start Justin Fields against Detroit at home and then against the Raiders in, in moving forward the season. That is what they should do. If Andy Dalton can go 1-2 and two in those first three games, that is the ideal situation so that Justin Fields could be looking. I think he is ready personally. He looked very good in the preseason. He had athleticism at his disposal. He had accuracy and velocity on his throws. He's able to escape pressure with that off horrible offensive line. The last time I checked, there's Darnell Mooney. You got Allen Robinson. You got Cole Komet. You got Palent. You got Jesse James now at the tight end position. There are explosive weapons on this team. David Montgomery, Damian Williams in the, in the backfield. If Justin Fields <clears throat> starts the fourth game of the season, that is what they should do. If Andy Dalton struggles in the first game, you still leave him in there because I don't want 
to see Justin Fields absolutely looking like trash against the Rams. Yeah, I'll take my take real quick here. Um, I like what Drew said about him sitting behind. I mean, I understand he's not a top-notch player. If if he was playing for Cincinnati, maybe he would be, but this is not 2015. Um, What I do like about it, though, is he gets to sit behind a veteran player, which is something that a young rookie like Justin should see. Like like you said, Luca, what's going to happen to the defense and stuff. However, my take is... I think like Mac Jones, he sh- he should have started. I th- I think he's ready. I understand the reasoning between be- be- with Andy Dalton starting is because Ryan Pace thinks that he he's where they need him to be and he's ready to go. And that might be true, but Justin Fields also is where he needs to be and he's ready to go. Like you said, Luca in his preseason, he just he looked really good. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but just be be ready to see Justin Fields at least week four or five. Okay, I will say this. When he was playing in the preseason, Andy Dalton, that offense, was absolutely stagnant. It was horrible. When Justin Fields came in, he was playing with the same receivers. It looked pretty electric. If he does not look ready, what does ready look like to them? Because this is getting a little ridiculous. It's almost like I know Mike Lennon is not better than Andy Dalton. Let's not get ridiculous here. But the thing is... He needs to be, does he feel ready? I'm curious what Matt Nagy's philosophy is here, that he's experienced, that he's earned it. Like, the thing is, we don't know any of this stuff, really. That's the thing that's interesting to me. But, Drew, you have anything else to add? Um, no, not really, other than the fact that um, it's a it's a very precarious situation, and the Bears have to approach this with kid gloves because it's the future of your franchise. Mm-hmm. And I think the point that was made where, you know, they're not a contending team, and Matt Nagy is on the hot seat. I think that's all the more reason to not rush this and sit him more and not throw him into the fire and get this right. Because if he starts – that opening schedule, that is a rude awakening for an NFL quarterback to exactly. make his debut. And I understand that he looked fan. He looked great in the preseason. Even I can acknowledge that. But the regular season is a whole different beast. Mm-hmm. Let's not overreact to the preseason. All right. And I understand the point. As a Bears fan, you want to see the electric young rookie. You, I, I do think you sit him at least, at least week four, like, like Ryan said. Because to throw him into the fire right away, that is about as tough a debut as you get. We talked about Lawrence opening up with the easiest debut and the Texans. Justin Fields would be on the complete opposite spectrum of that. Yeah, you're right. All right, we're going to head to break. And when we get back from break, we're going to talk about the biggest week one NFL games there are to see this weekend. Stay tuned on Around the Waves. This is Brent of the band Ramona Falls, and you're listening to KCOU, Columbia, 88.1. K. C. O. U. I visited Russia. I started Indoor baseball, anyone? Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Uh, 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 uh. 
Jackson. Skinny. Forties on that black karaoke, this that gangster slash pop mix with trap karaoke. Turn the snow globe to a crystal ball, now that dog is ten. Type to turn the stone with many flaws to a flawless gem. Stack my money ten for tall, now I boil a butter rim. And welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM, the student voice of your Missouri Tigers. Week one of the NFL season just kicked off last night between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now just some words of warning to all those picking week one NFL games. Expect the unexpected. Even with three-game uh, preseason games this year compared to none last season because of COVID-19, it's always tough to try and get a sense on how good these teams are going to be entering week one besides the Houston Texans. That is why picking games is a challenge early in the season. Each of us will be picking our big game this week one to watch out. And why you should tune in to those certain games. Ryan, I will start with you. What's your big game this weekend that people should tune into? I'm very excited about this game, Luca. And the game I have is against two teams that preferably both could make the playoffs. I think one will definitely make the playoffs. And that is the Arizona Cardinals and the Tennessee Titans. Now, for the Cardinals, their offense looks really good. You got Christian Kirk, you got A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, and, of course, you have Kyler Murray, who's going to sling that ball all over the field, you already know. The running game, that, that needs help. Chase Edmonds is the, is the go-to guy, it seems. I don't see him getting that many carries in this game. I think it's going to be... Uh, Arizona Cardinals high passing game. Uh, the defense for the Cardinals, uh, the pass rush is really good, but that secondary is atrocious. But if the pass rush plays good, then they have a chance to pull this one out. Uh, obviously, J.J. Watt, that D-line sh- should be really good. Buda Baker, Zayvon Collins, just to name a few. Uh, for the Titans, however, the offense again, that thing is going to be cooking. Julio Jones, they got they picked him up. A.J. Brown, Derek Henry, that beast of a running back. They also have Ryan Tannehill, who is very, very underrated quarterback. Um, but the Titans need to be a high-scoring team because that defense that was atrocious last year did get better this year. Uh, they have guys that they brought in. Uh, Bud Dupree, a big guy who can force fumbles from Pittsburgh, and he can also get sacks. They also brought in Denico Autry. He had more than seven, st- seven sacks in two of his last three seasons with the Indianapolis Colts. The spread is Tennessee by three and an over-under 52. I'm going to take that spread by three, but give me the Cardinals barely pulling this thing out 30-27. to 27. Interesting. I like that. All right. Uh, Drew, what do you got this weekend? All right. This weekend, I got the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. I think that's the game to watch, especially considering that you have two teams that are that were playoff bound last year. They're both coming off pretty devastating losses, and they're going to be very hungry. You got Pittsburgh, who had that very, very brutal loss to the Browns at home. Big Ben is back for another year. They got a rookie running back in Najee Harris, their workhorse, their first-round pick. And they just gave T.J. Watt a fat extension, four years, $112 million. And I think this team is going to be very good. Their defense is always excellent. That offense is going to click with that added dimension of the run game. Now they just don't have to throw the ball all over the place. So I like what the Steelers bring to the table. And on the other side, got the Buffalo Bills. They're coming off an AFC championship loss at Kansas City. Josh Allen made the leap 
and he's now an MVP candidate. He's in the talks. And in Buffalo, you got a team that is ready to make a Super Bowl run right now. So I think you're going to have a highly hot contested match between two AFC heavyweights. Now, on the line, Buffalo is favored by six and a half. I actually think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. I think it's going to be a dogfight between these two teams. If if I was a betting man, I'm not because I don't have that kind of money to spend. I would bet Pittsburgh plus six and a half. Wow. I think this is going to be a close one. I think these two teams are going to battle, going to duke it out. But it's going to be a very, very entertaining game to watch. Yeah, the only thing I'll add there is that the Steelers have a new offensive coordinator in Mike Canada or Matt Canada, excuse me. So they're actually going to have a new type of offense. So Buffalo hopefully is prepared for that. Um, but mine here, um, we saw this last year in the AFC Championship game, the Cleveland Browns at the Kansas City Chiefs. But this year we'll not see Chad Haney though. Hopefully, um, <laughs> the Cleveland Browns. I said they could make the Super Bowl, and I feel like we're going to see this uh, matchup again this year, possibly. It's possible. I think the Browns versus the Chiefs, this should have been Sunday night football, but it's not. Um, But their defense was their biggest concern last year. Well, guess what they did in the draft and free agency? They added to the defense. Jadavian Clowney, you got John Johnson III, you added Troy Hill from the Los Angeles Rams, you drafted Greg Newsome II, Anthony Walker, JOK added. So the thing is, now you got a stable defense that's pretty good now. They weren't horrible last year, but they weren't great. So you got that in your favor. You got one of the best running games in the NFL in Kareem Hunt, uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. You got a quarterback now who looks fantastic now, who is in the market now for an extension after this season, if he can duplicate that success in Baker Mayfield. Great marriage between him and Kevin Stefanski. They obviously have, they're obviously getting chemistry together. They know what they're doing with one another. They obviously got on the uh, wide receiver room. You got OBJ's back, Jarvis Landry. You obviously got good tight ends in the, in the, in the uh, room. But obviously, in my opinion, obviously with the Kansas City Chiefs having a lot of questions on that, on that defense still, I still think they have uh, questions on that defense. But obviously, you got Patrick Mahomes here. Come on. The best quarterback in the NFL, still. And then, obviously, you've got a juggernaut of an offense. Obviously, you still got Tyreek Hill. you got McCole Hardman. Obviously, you lost Sammy Watkins, but that's okay. they still got plenty of good receivers. you got one of the best tight ends in football in Travis Kelsey. But honestly, I think this will be the game that Patrick Mahomes will lose the very first time in September in his career. And I feel like the Browns are going to go to Kansas City, and they will beat the Kansas City Chiefs 27-24. to I feel like the Cleveland Browns will shock the world in the first game of the season. I mean, I, that's, a, that's a bold one. I, I think it's really hard to win in Kansas City, but I love the pick. I love Cleveland this year, although I didn't pick them to win my division, but I still love that pick, Luca, nevertheless. My game, the last game we're going to get to, America's Game of the Week on Fox, Packers-Saints at 3.30 Sunday. Packers get lucky. They don't have to travel to a packed crowd in New Orleans. It's, it's, they, they will go to Jacksonville instead playing at the Jaguars Stadium for Packers-Saints. So here's what I think. I think Devontae and Rodgers get right back on track in Green Bay. 
I like them to target the Saints cornerbacks, especially after Lattimore. It's a little bit weak there. They just traded for Bradley Roby, who I like, but he's out with a one-game suspension because of uh, because of last year. So no Roby, which means tons of time for, for Rodgers to target our series. Not only will he target Devontae Adams, I think he gets Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, even Amari Rodgers out of Clemson they drafted. I like him. So I think those, those secondary receivers step up as well against a weaker secondary in New Orleans. And then on the offensive side for the Saints, how will Jameis do in his first game at the helm for, for the Saints? I think Sean Payton draws him up a really nice game plan. I believe he has a chance to attack this Packers defense. Will he go without turning the ball over? Probably not because I've watched Jameis Winston for five years and I couldn't tell you a game off the top of my head where he doesn't turn it over. Obviously, the 30-30 season, we can reference all we want. Mm -hmm. So that for Jameis. Other thing for the Saints offense. Can Marquez Callaway and Traquan Smith get it done at the receiver position for the Saints? No Michael Thomas. They had Emmanuel Sanders last year. He left in free agency, went to Buffalo. So can those two receivers get it done against the Packers secondary who has Jair Alexander, a little bit of weakness after that, but still has some some pieces there. Callaway looked fantastic in the preseason. I mean, he he was going off in the preseason, but it's 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 a different game now. We're we're in we're in where it counts. So can those two get can those two get it done on offense? Here's the thing: this could be one of those like win for the city type of games where where a team that's not favored, uh, New Orleans is not favored in this game, but they want to show out for their fans back home who are going through it right now. Sadly, we wish all the best of luck to them. But can New Orleans pull it out? Sadly, I don't think they do. Green Bay is favored by 3.5. I think they cover, win by a touchdown. Over, it's 49.5. I think that hits. This is going to be a high-scoring game. But I'm taking the Packers by a touchdown in this one. All right. Well, obviously this Sunday you got plenty of games to watch. Obviously, lots to do. We get that. All right. Um, that will conclude our show today. Thank you for uh, tuning in on Around the Waves. And make sure to tune in for Mizzou football this Saturday as they, as they travel to Kentucky. And we will see you next week. Take my money. Well, I'm in need. Yes, yeah, she's a trifling friend indeed. Oh, she's a gold digger. Way over town. That digs on me. She a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no broke, broke. Now I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no broke, broke. Get down, girl, go ahead, get down.